0: Panoramic lifestyle clothing. Hey, look alive! Everything lights up, makes you want to shout. Talk about happiness, that's what we're talking about. You'll look great in a panoramic lifestyle t shirt.
1: Nobody won't bring you happiness, but we know we will. Come on now, smile,
0: get happy. Order your t shirt today at plclothing.store. plclothing.store. to Sunday Digest, a public affairs presentation of FM 99.5 WGAR, Cleveland's country music station. I'm Ken Robinson. On today's edition of Sunday Digest, we'll take a look at domestic violence here in Ohio and what can be done to prevent it. But first, we'll talk to a man who spends his time getting couples together. We'll find out the secrets to marital bliss from a genuine matchmaker. That's next on Sunday Digest. My first guest is Milton Fisher. He likes to call himself a marriage activist. And he's author of the book, Haven't You Been Single Long Enough? first of all milton how many happy marriages have you put together over the years
1: Uh, up to the time i wrote the book i had arranged for twenty nine couples and uh... the remarkable thing is that of the twenty nine not a single divorce we've had uh... two attempted stabbings uh, with a fork and one strangulation but i've never had a divorce
0: well (laughs) well uh... what, what, uh, well, since it, what? the book,
1: incidentally, since the book has been out, I have been prized or invited to six weddings. And it makes me feel very good.
0: I can imagine. Well, well, what, well what, is, what, what is your profession? What do you do in real life?
1: Oh, <laughs> I tell people the fastest answer I can usually give is that I'm an exotic dancer. That <laughs> stops them. <me>.
2: Uh,
1: <laughs> but actually, uh, I studied, I'm an attorney. Uh, But one of my great passions has been teaching. I've taught a course for over 25 years for adults. Uh, It's a course in applied creativity. Uh, And I've done many, many different things. I serve on a board of directors of several public companies and uh, do some investment banking. But the important thing, the thing that I think is going to get me into heaven is the work I do on helping people find each other.
0: Well, we uh, seem like uh, we have an increase in the the, uh, number of uh, uh, people uh, choosing to stay single. They're staying single longer. Uh, You indicate that there are, what, 25 million single women? That's right.
1: But, you know, you said that there's a word there that we have to look at very closely. You said choosing to remain single. You know, it's my uh, belief and my experience, uh, and I talk to hundreds, maybe thousands of people all the time, See, if I had a bet, I would bet that more than a majority of the single people would love to get married if they could find the right one. Uh, many people, some of them give up and get disgusted and uh, stop uh, looking. Uh, another thing is that I I find that most people uh, screw themselves up. They just ruin their chances for getting married by some very, very basic things, which, uh, they do. And, uh, wherever possible, well, as a matter of fact, that's why I wrote the book. Uh, you know, you can only help, help so many people one-on-one. Uh, but, uh, I thought that the book, which I try to conceive as a self-help book, was one that would mention all of the pitfalls that I've, uh, run across. And, uh, the book is lauded with stories. By the way, every single story in my book is rooted in truth. You know, I have to change uh, the names and uh, the characteristics and so on because I'm not interested in lawsuits and I don't want to embarrass anybody. But every story is true. And as you read the book, you'll find that some of it resonates in your own life.
0: Well, tell us some of the things uh, people do wrong, the sabotage. Uh... Well,
1: before I do that, are you married? Yes, I am. Uh-huh. Well, then I can't really go to work on you. <laughs> yeah. But I think that you recognize that a lot of things that I say are so. Uh, what happens is this. When you are an adolescent, which is when you usually form your opinions, you begin to form who you would like to marry. You begin to dream and idealize and uh, fantasize on, uh, on who's going to be your spouse. The reason I use spouse is because it's true for men and women. And uh, the ideas of who we would like really comes from the movies, uh, from television, from magazines, uh, from pictures. And uh, what happens is you get a very cockeyed view of what you you think you want. Also, when you form these views as an adolescent, uh, the criteria you use, is completely unrealistic and uh, inane. Uh, For example, it's not unusual for an adolescent to think that uh, a sine qua non, in other words, the most important thing, is somebody who's a good dancer or somebody who looks good in a a baseball uh, suit. Uh, We put a tremendous emphasis on appearance. Uh, rather than all the other things that go to make for a happy life, a happy married life.
0: Now, we're, mm-hmm. Pardon me? Uh, well, we're, we're a country music station, and we play a lot of songs where people kind of, you know, sing about their uh, dream mate and, uh, you yes. know, the perfect person for them and the perfect relationship. Is, is that a part of the problem as well?
1: Well, I think so, and uh, incidentally, uh, <laughs> it's my experience that country songs are very sad. Most of the times uh, they're about heartbreak and about the things that went wrong and so on and so forth. My own experience is that marriage is a two-way street. Marriage, uh, as I envision it, is spending life with your best partner. Spending life with somebody who, who's willing to share the life experience with you. And as a result, it uh, brings you closer and closer together. You know, when you weather storms together, either because you don't have jobs or because you're working toward the same goals or because you work through a sickness or uh, and you have children together, all of those things are bonding. Those are things that make each of you unique to the other.
0: Now, so so often we hear women say that uh, there are no good men out there. That's...
1: Ah, there's no such animal, no good men out there. there oh, incidentally... <laughs> That reminds me of an extremely important chapter in my book. It's called the Dumper Dumpy Syndrome. And what the Dumper Dumpy Syndrome means is this: when a man or a woman—and by the way, it's usually a man, because uh, they expect a man to do the uh, initiation—he sees someone that looks interesting. He sees something that looks might he might be attracted to. So. He he exposes himself, and he approaches, and he asks, or he makes a move, and he gets dumped on. Well, he backs off, and if he's brave, uh, maybe he'll do it again, see? And if he's dumped on again, he begins to think, well, the hell with them. Who needs them? And so when he's introduced to someone, he dumps first before they get a chance to dump on him. And then you get people who go through life saying as you just quoted there are no good men out there there are guys who say there are no good women out there but these are people who have built up a defensive mechanism to protect themselves from being rejected
0: now we've seen a uh, a tremendous rise in the number of uh, single parents uh, especially uh, single women uh, women who have uh, children by men but uh, choose not to marry them um, what's the phenomenon? Again, you
1: use the word choose. I don't believe it. Uh, okay. <laughs> they don't get married uh, for whatever reason. And I think it's very sad. It's tough on the children, and it's tough on the individual. They're, they're even, even bringing children up, it's marvelous to have somebody to share a problem with, someone you can discuss things with, someone who will do part of the work. And by the work, I don't mean necessarily working in the kitchen or cleaning the rugs. I'm talking about work on uh, helping a child grow into an adult.
0: Well, why? How come these women don't don't seem to uh, want to get married, or don't seem to be inclined to get married?
1: Well, I. Do you hold it just one thing?
0: Sure. If you just tuned in, we're talking to marriage activist Milton Fisher.
1: That's for well, hello. Mhm. Okay. You can cut this out.
0: Yeah, I can. Oh, okay. <laughs> sure. Well, let me just
1: tell you, this is my regular phones. I have a receptionist who takes the calls, and I'm hoping she won't put any further through. Uh, incidentally, uh, I, I pause to give you a chance to interlope and to interact if you have any further questions.
0: Oh, okay.
1: All right. So where are we up to?
0: Yeah, I just wanted to know why, uh, why, why do we see this uh, increase in single parenthood?
1: For one thing, uh, the whole uh, sexual revolution has given uh, rise to much more uh, promiscuity and more sex and so on, with a lot of people who are irresponsible. And uh, uh, very often the women uh, make a choice that they'd rather uh, be single and bring up a child than keep on going and looking. But uh, my experience is that, and I'm, I'm a, a devout believer in this, that there are thousands of people out there that you can be happily married with, whether you're a man or a woman. If you're a woman, there are thousands of guys who you could make a life with, you could share experiences with, somebody who would give a damn whether you live or die, and, of course, you in turn would reciprocate and be concerned about how well they do. I think that one of the integral things in human beings is a need and a wish to share with somebody
3: and
0: in the book uh you tell us about how to go about finding oh yes
1: for one thing in the book i uh <laughs> i try to highlight all the pitfall i'm trying to think of the things now uh, you know at the top of my head i can't repeat the whole book but uh i think that one of the biggest breakthroughs i ever had in writing the book and when I came to the realization that, and then the, t- the title of the chapter is this, you uh, learn to love the possible. You get that? Learn to love the possible. Unfortunately, too many of us, too many of the singles, go around in love with the impossible. Now, what the hell's the good of loving an impossible what happens is you frustrate yourself, you put yourself in a position where you're never going to get married or you put yourself on a shelf, when you could learn there are people out there for whom it's possible. And what I mean by that is this, they start out, oh, I want to marry somebody who's very rich and who is famous and will take me on trips all around the world and we will do this and that and all the rest of it. Well. Depending on who you are, that may be in a totally impossible dream. Uh, the women who all want, want to marry movie stars or the, the men who are dreaming of Marilyn Monroe, they're just condemning themselves to a life of frustration. What you have to do is look about and find the wholesome people who are in your area within the length of your acquaintance and ability to reach and, and get together with them and share a life together. And that's what's important.
0: Now, do, do you have to uh, worry about compatibility and, and, and uh, you know, uh, uh, <laughs> a meeting of the minds or Well, all of that is
1: important, too. But listen, this is stuff that you're, uh, that your listeners all know. I think everybody else knows there when you recognize the following. It's the same as having a friend. How do you make a friend? You make a friend by acting like a friend. If you're an impossible person who's intransigent and never wants to make concessions, who's cranky, who's uh, uncooperative, who is a downer all the time, the odds are that you won't have friends. Now, a husband or a wife is a best friend, somebody that you share with more than anyone else, someone who you're not afraid to be vulnerable with because you know that they won't betray you with you, respect you, and it's a reciprocal arrangement. All right. Well, That's finally, why, incidentally, the title of the book, Haven't You Been Single Long Enough, is something I I truly think most of these people are thinking but are afraid to do anything about. But I'm saying, open up try these things.
0: All right. And finally, your best advice to the man or woman who's sitting at home listening to this and they're single and they're and uh, they, they really uh, want to get married, but uh, just haven't been able to find that right person.
1: Well, needless to say, uh, the, the subtitle to the book is a practical guide for men or women who want to get married. And I break it down into every aspect, including sex, uh, including, for example, the art of wooing. Nobody dreams of wooing anymore. There was a time when no one would ever get married until there was a period of wooing. Incidentally, the dictionary definition of the word woo is to approach and act towards someone with the object of matrimony, not just sex. And frankly, unfortunately today, people put so much emphasis on sex that they miss the basic thing, which is finding somebody to share a life together
0: we uh, often think more about uh, the the physical aspect before we uh, just think about having uh finding out if this person is an enjoyable uh person who kind of feels the way we do
1: absolutely and i can tell you this from long experience because i'm not a youngster sex is great but it's a sometimes thing nobody spends their whole life doing sex you spend a hell of a lot more time eating together, playing together, working together, trying to achieve together, dancing together. Sex is only a small, small part of the whole picture, and you shouldn't let it dominate your lives. Incidentally, the chapter on on sex discusses, and I think that there's a high percentage of people out there who are single uh, where sex is a tremendous handicap, who are overwhelmed with the idea, and who are frightened of it. And, uh... I give specific ways in which to cope with that. Don't be afraid. Go out there and find someone.
0: All right, and on that note, we want to thank you for joining us this morning on Sunday Digest. That's matchmaker and marriage activist Milton Fisher, author of the book, Haven't You Been Single Long Enough? Listening to Sunday Digest on FM 99.5 WGAR. I'm Ken Robinson. Good morning to you. Now let's take a look at the darker side of relationships. Violence occurs between many couples. Nancy Nalon is Executive Director of the Ohio Domestic Violence Network. Thanks for joining us, Nancy. First of all, tell us a little bit about your organization.
2: The Ohio Domestic Violence Network is a coalition of domestic violence programs from around the state, as well as supportive individuals and agencies. We provide uh, technical assistance to programs. We advocate on behalf of um, progressive public policy. We do have a toll-free 800 information line that provides um, numbers for women for all the shelters in the state. It is not a staffed hotline, but simply is kind of a voicemail system whereby you can get numbers to local shelters.
0: So basically a way that the shelters can work together?
2: Exactly right. The, the Ohio Domestic Violence Network is a way that shelters can work together, that we can give to shelters and to other interested people in the community. We can kind of act as a conduit of information, both on, on legislative issues, on public policy information, on training, on technical assistance, on all of those areas.
0: How serious is domestic violence uh, here in the state of Ohio?
2: I think domestic violence is a serious problem here in Ohio as it is nationwide. I think that we don't have very good statistics in terms of the extent of this problem. We know that police are currently documenting and responding to about 70,000 calls a year. We estimate that that's probably 10% of actual incidents of domestic violence. difficult to document shelters serve about twenty five women and ch- twenty five thousand women and children in shelter about another fifty thousand women and children out of shelter each year about seventy five thousand residential care days so you know we 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 begin to to grasp the scope of the problem that way but i don't think we really have a clear idea of how pervasive it is but it's very pervasive
0: is there more concern about uh, domestic violence these days because of the oj simpson case
2: I think the O.J. Simpson case really provided an opportunity for kind of a national uh, wake-up call, if you will, on the issue of domestic violence. Um, I think the issue of domestic violence has grown in terms of public awareness really over the past 20 years and continues to be at the forefront of the agenda in terms of social problems. Certainly when you have a a case like the Simpson case, it's going to create more attention to the issue and hopefully that will be positive attention
0: now is there anything women can do to protect themselves from domestic violence we've talked to a number of experts who said that uh, maybe women should do a better job in picking mates or looking for the warning signs when they're when they're dating a particular man is there any validity to that
2: i think it's very difficult for women to know who is an abuser and who isn't an abuser. And I think that if we're looking at preventing domestic violence, I don't think we can assume that somehow that's a woman's responsibility to figure out who is and who isn't a batterer. When we're talking about 50% of all marriages being affected by this, that's a lot of people. Um, the reality is is that, well, there may be some warning signs, there may be no warning signs. And one of the things that we know about batterers is they look like everybody else. They're our neighbor, they're our co worker, they're our post, our mail carrier. Uh, you know, it's not one of the things that we know about women is that the likelihood of their being battered is simply the fact because they are a woman. So I don't think our prevention efforts should be at how women should look for batterers. I think our prevention efforts have to go much earlier than that as we begin to socialize our children differently, knowing that. Up to 25 percent to 50 percent of our children are now living in violent homes and learning that. I think that our our prevention is clear that we have to start much earlier with with very young children in terms of their communication skills, how they deal with anger, how they address these kinds of issues.
0: Does does much of that stem from the uh, the drug culture, the the, the tremendous growth of uh, drug abuse that we've seen over the years?
2: Uh, No, I don't think so. I would really reject that. Um, Drug abuse and alcoholism can can be present where there is violence. However, they are not a cause of domestic violence. It is not a cause-and-effect relationship. There are many people who are violent, who do not abuse drugs, who are not chemically dependent, who do not drink heavily. There are those people who have drug abuse problems or alcohol problems, stop those problems, get treatment for that, and the violence continues so that they are they are they are well there is a where there is a correlation in terms of the incidents that happens i don't think that we're seeing a rise just because of that and i think that's a i don't think we can go off in that path and say well if we cure this and the problem's over that's not the case
0: some sociologists say that uh, maybe it's because of the changing economy the uh, loss of high-paying manufacturing jobs has put a lot lot more pressure on families
2: the reality is is that domestic violence crosses socioeconomic lines. It happens in every family. It happens in people who are employed, people who are underemployed, people who are, are very well off. Domestic violence is not an issue of economics necessarily, or drug abuse, or chemical dependency. It's an issue of power and control. It's someone who is using control inappropriately to maintain and achieve power over somebody else in an intimate relationship or a family that can go on in any kind of family and in fact has gone on for centuries. This isn't a new problem.
0: Is there anything we should do to raise men? Anything we should do to raise boys uh, to make them less prone to, 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 to pop off on in, in a violent manner?
2: Well surely I think as a society at large we have to begin to change some of the attitudes that we have and, and look at creating relationships between men and women, between intimate partners that have an element of respect and equality. I mean, what we have now is we have perpetrators who are primarily saying, I make the rules, you live by the rules. Um, and, and that's kind of a very simplistic view of it, but certainly I think that we as a society have to not only look at how we're raising our children in terms of the roles, the role expectations. Um, the kinds of, of way we value violence in our society in a lot of different ways, not just in relationships, but a number of different ways. And we have to be really clear that we have to say verbally, you have to be accountable for yourself personally. This is from you, and, and you have to change and control your behavior. And I think that's, that's true for everybody in our society.
0: It is a, a violent society, isn't it? Isn't it? Where, uh, violence is often glorified in uh, m- movies and TV. Uh... It's something that uh, kids often look up to when they when they go to a <laughs> go to a movie or watch a TV show.
2: Absolutely, and and again, we've talked. Uh, uh, there's been a lot of discussion lately about violence in television yeah. and violent toys for children. And again, I would say, well, that certainly plays a part. It's not a cause and effect relationship. I mean, we know kids that grow up watching these kinds of movies that don't become batters. And yet we know that in, in, actually in homes where there is violence that there seems to be more aggressive behavior because of uh, you know, the, the, um, the preponderance of this kind of violence. But again, it's part of our larger culture, and, and we could probably do away with all the violence in television and movies, would we also do away with our armies? Would we also do away with our armed forces, our armed services? I mean, you know, I guess you have to look at what you're doing as a society as a whole and not just say, it's this, it's that. It's really, it's really the whole culture, I think, in a lot of ways.
0: Okay, what's your advice to a woman or a man who may find themselves in a violent relationship?
2: My advice to a woman that finds herself in a violent relationship is to get some support, to find somebody who will be supportive of you in that situation that will respect your wishes as regards to how you want to handle that situation and to come up with a plan that will make you and your children safe, whatever that plan needs to be. Um, and, and really, your safety and the safety of your children is the most important thing, as well as finding for yourself some kind of a support system.
0: And uh, what more do you think needs to be done as far as um, maybe legislation or government policy as far as uh, stemming domestic violence?
2: Well, I think there's always other places we can go. I mean, I, I am kind of right now on the feeling flushed with victory, <laughs> so it's kind of hard to, to think about what else we can do. I mean, I think that there are always ways that we can look at improving the legislation that we have, and there are some pieces of legislation we didn't get through this time we may want to look at it in the future. Um, I think clearly one clear direction that we need to look at, particularly on the local level, is beginning to put together task forces or coordinating councils on domestic violence where the major players that impact this problem in the community come together to deal with the problem. In Cleveland, we do have the uh, newly established Cleveland Coordinating Council on Domestic Violence, and Judge Ron Adrian is the chair of that. And our goal is to really bring uh, people to the table from the criminal justice system, the civil justice system, the domestic violence community and mental health system so that we can begin to develop policies, procedures, protocols to deal with the incidence of domestic violence and also to improve our response to that problem. And I think that that coordinated response is really the direction that local communities need to be looking at.
0: All right. Thank you very much for joining us today. Nancy Nalon, executive director of the Ohio Domestic Violence Network. Now, many couples have kids, but did you know that kids and caffeine don't mix? Here's medical
4: correspondent Dr. Henry Fishman. Watching your child's intake of caffeine makes good health sense. I'm Dr. Henry Fishman with Health and Medicine. You can and should limit the amount of caffeine your child gets. Caffeine? Yes. According to recent studies, Children as young as two or three may drink a lot of caffeine. They usually drink the caffeine in sodas, like colas, not in coffee or tea. In one study, youngsters drank three times the amount of caffeine for their body weight as adults. Most of it came from soda. All that caffeine doesn't help a youngster's health. Caffeine can cause nervousness, irritability, trouble sleeping, and trouble concentrating in school. Some experts think it leads to addiction. Children who stop using it develop headaches and drowsiness. What to do? Make your whole family caffeine-conscious. Mom should start to limit her coffee, tea, and soda during pregnancy. Both parents should consider switching to decaffeinated drinks. But above all, limit how much soda your kids drink. They don't need the extra caffeine. I'm Dr. Henry Fishman.
0: Wraps up today's edition of Sunday Digest, the public affairs presentation of FM 99.5 WGAR, Cleveland's country music station. I'm Ken Robinson, thanking you for joining us this morning. If you have any questions or comments about our topics today, you can write to Sunday Digest, WGAR, 5005 Rockside Road, Cleveland 44131. Here's that address again in case you missed it. Sunday Digest, WGAR, 5005 Rockside Road, Cleveland, 44131. Of course, you can also give us a call here at the station. During regular business hours, we'll be happy to talk to you. I'm Ken Robinson, thanking you for listening to Sunday Digest. Have a good day. Welcome to Ken's Corner. I'm Ken Robinson. The opiate crisis continues to worsen around the country. Elaine Jorgas is with the Lorain County, Ohio Alcohol and Drug Addiction Services Board and says it's not uncommon for parents and their children to both become hooked on heroin.
3: Well, you know, we know more about addiction than we have six years ago. Um, We understand when any substance gets into a person's body, illegal or not. Um, you know, it impacts the brain.
0: Most of the the increase in, in, in deaths and overdose, do you think it is it mostly from people getting prescriptions, that leading them to, to seek stronger relief from whatever ails them?
3: Nationally we know that four out of five heroin users, people who are addicted to heroin, started with a legitimate
0: prescription. But eventually it it can be broken.
3: It can be broken. Um, people can go into sustained recovery.
0: And I've heard experts mention that that transition period between asking for help mm-hmm. and actually getting help. We mm-hmm. need to reduce that, don't we, on a, on
3: a yeah. policy level? Yes, we? policy and workforce, um, you know. But, again, there are, you know, we do have providers that have next-day assessments. We have helplines. Um, but we don't have enough treatment capacity And that's nationally. Um, They, every year, um, they survey, and about 10% of the people who need treatment actually seek treatment. People, you know, if a family member has someone struggling with addiction, they're often, they don't know where to turn, or they're often embarrassed and they feel alone, so... You know, we are trying to educate people more and, you know, we've got communities now where there are churches willing to help people get into treatment.
0: Elaine Jorgas with the Lorain County, Ohio Alcohol and Drug Addiction Services Board. Thanks for stopping by Ken's Corner, part of the KROB Collection. Learn more about our shows by checking out krobcollection.com or the KROB Collection Facebook page.